Acts chapter number 27 tonight. If you'll take your Bibles and stand, we'll get into the message here this evening. Acts chapter number 27. Entitled the message, Set Sail in the Will of God. Got another title if you want to hear it. Amen. It seemed like you were too enthused about that one, so <laughs> fine. Get on board with God's will. Amen. Get on board. Isn't that what we all need to do, by the way? Amen. Get on board with God's will. And so Acts chapter 27 begins the sea voyage of the Apostle Paul as he's making his way to Rome and as a prisoner. And so there's a lot of details here. We're only going to read the first uh, 12 verses. Luke goes into great detail. And so obviously we're coming to the last two chapters of Acts. We began this journey. Uh, we've been on a voyage here at uh, Southwest Baptist Church. Uh, 2012, September of 12, we started in the book of Acts. And so now we are at chapter 27 and verse number 1. And when it was determined that we should sail in, into Italy... They delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into a ship of Adramitium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when he had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Nidus, the, the wind suffering, not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon. And hardly passing it came into a place that is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast now already, I'm sorry, the fast was al now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with, with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading in the sh and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also if by any means they might attain unto Phoenix and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And so those are details about their, the beginning of their journey. I just felt it significant where we were. As we've introduced the students, they've rather introduced themselves to us. I trust that they are setting sail in the will of God. But it's not just students of a Bible college who need to get on board with God's will. We all need to be on board with God's will for our life. So how about we trust that God will bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll get right into the message here tonight. I've enjoyed meeting uh, some of the students. We ha I have a lot more to get acquainted with. But um, Friday and yesterday gave occasion to meet some. I met Dale Hardy. He introduced himself to us. Mentioned that he was from Alaska, 
I just want to give you a little sampling here tonight um, of where students are coming from and uh, just some of their background, not a lot of details here. I realize there's a lot of them, and some I could obviously do that with very many, but just a handful that, that have had occasion to briefly meet. Grew up in a village of 500 individuals in a very remote part. Where, Brother Dale, where are you located right now? Just, uh, where are you? Right here, okay. Um, grew up uh, there, remote village. He explained to me what it took to get to his village. And it's not quite like they had an I-40 coming through, to say the least. 500 individuals. He's already served our country as a Marine and was there in San Diego, I believe, for about six years, right in that neighborhood, five to six years. While he was a, a Marine and, and going through training and serving, he was lost, lost. And then all, all the details, I don't quite remember all of those details about his salvation, but I do remember this. He said, I was reading the Bible, and I came to faith in Christ. He drove nearly 4,000 miles to get here. Can you imagine? 4,000 miles. Another uh, student named Stephen that we met here, just about to finish up his university degree there in Arizona. I've met with his grandmother and aunt here this afternoon. And um, God put on his heart at youth camp this past summer that instead of finishing that degree, he was supposed to come to Bible college and he's here. Amen. I mean, it's like, I think they were telling me just a semester or so away from finishing that. And his aunt was sharing with me that Stephen, your thought was, I need to go now if that's what God's telling me to do. We doing all right? Is this, this okay? Yep. I, I hear these stories and it's humbling. It ought to be for us as a church humbling to hear what God's doing and bringing them here. Yep. Brianna. Um, Googliata. I think I've got it right, maybe. Uh, I've, I've known of Brianna a little while longer just because of my brother-in-law who pastors the church there in Springfield. And uh, Brianna um, lived in Republic, Missouri. <laughs> and so uh, her family was there, but she uh, had a young lady that had the privilege of pastor we invited her to church and Brianna came and got saved at camp at Sagmont and um, and now is here ready to serve the Lord I'm telling you it's quite a blessing just getting the opportunity to serve and see God work in our life and praying for a parent's salvation Another young lady I met this past summer, and uh, she would be here this fall. I don't know. I haven't had occasion to visit with Brother Roger Grantham, but a young lady named Cassia, if I'm pronouncing her name right, but for many years she's been looking forward to coming here, and her dad has been of ill health. I met her this past summer and, and um, preached the life of Joseph and some of the trials that Joseph went through, and it's kind of touch and go with her dad for really the last seven or eight years, if I remember what Brother Roger was sharing with me. And so this past Wednesday or Thursday, I believe it was, that her dad passed away. And so she hasn't, of course, been able to be here. I don't know if she'll be able to go ahead and come or not. 
but she's minded to go ahead and come when she's able to. You know what these are, and I could name several others. Stories of grace. Stories of God's work through the word preached, through the gospel shared. If we, if we could stop and trace, and pardon me for getting a little emotional there, it just kind of hit me about... Thompson family reached out. But you know, it's amazing to me, every one of us in here, if you're saved tonight, you've got a story. Somehow, God used someone through some means to arrest your attention, to allow you the opportunity to hear the message that will save you for all eternity. It's amazing. Somebody was on board with God's will, and as a result of that, you're here today. So many stories of grace. And so on behalf of Southwest Baptist Church, I say to all students, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. But as I mentioned earlier, it's not just Bible college students who are setting sail in God's will. It's been so thrilling the last uh, few weeks here to see not just children coming through the bus ministry, but adults, grandparents, parents, guardians coming and, and staying. It's tremendous. New believers. Just looked around during some of the song there about to save a sinner like me and seeing some that just, just within the last two years have trusted Christ as their Savior. And now, now think about this. They're making church services a regular part of their weeks. Amen. New families and individuals who have made Southwest Baptist Church their home this summer or this year. Graduates of our own youth department that have graduated and who are going on to follow God's will in their life of study Whatever field and realm it is, and I'm thankful that God not only calls people into the ministry, but I sincerely believe that he calls people into various roles of, in, in this city and serving in so many different roles of a, as being a teacher or administrator or working in a factory, whatever it might be, but God's call in their life. And now some of them are starting school this semester or already have started school at O. Triple C or UCO or OCU or OSU, OKC or OU, something with an O and a C and a U in it. <laughs> or tech school or something along those lines. Hey, listen, if that is God's will for you in your life, then you need to be totally on board with that and serve the Lord and be a testimony where you are. And I just know that God's going to use you in a great way as you follow him. Members who are getting involved in visitation and ministry. You see, really, when you boil it all down, even though we have the Texas delegation, we, we, once we have it all boiled down, we're basically just this, individuals who God has worked in our lives that we did not deserve it, but he saved us by his grace. It's only right that we would love him in return and seek and desire with all of our heart to do his will, whatever, whatever it is that he wants us to do. Paul's a man here who's getting on board with God's will. You say, well, he had no choice. He's a prisoner. Well, he had a choice to serve the Lord, and that's what led him to that point. 
He's getting on board with God's will. And you know what? As uh, Brother Kurt Skelly just preached this passage, I mean, just a few weeks ago, preached this passage and, and just did a tremendous job. If you haven't heard the message, you ought to go online and listen to it. It's just tremendous and it was very helpful. And I used his notes. It was great. <laughs> but he, he made reference that Paul is about to do some of the, some of the most significant work of his life still. I mean, we, we think about the, the three journeys that we've already observed in the life of Paul, but now he's getting ready to go to Rome. But think about it, while he's in, there in Rome, the book of Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and Philemon and First and Second Timothy and Titus are going to be written and the significance of the gospel moving further west. And as a result of that, it moved into Europe. And as a result of that, no doubt it came to you and it came to me as a result of that. So God is using him just simply because he got on board. He got on board with it. I want to challenge everybody here tonight to have, first of all, a desire to know what God's will is for your life. And then once you know what God's will is, get on board with it. Get on board with it. And, and again, I don't know how else to reiterate it except just to say it again, that you don't have to be in full-time ministry to do full-time ministry. Because some of the individuals I mentioned to you tonight, they were just at the right place at the right time serving either in their public high school or, or serving the Lord in their public high school or serving at a job place or whatever. But somehow God used them at the right place at the right time to talk to the person. And as a result of that, some of you were saved tonight. Somebody was on board with God's will. Now it's your turn Amen. to be on board with God's will. The gospel spread rapidly, quickly through this early church and churches because the churches were on mission with God. They were on board with God's mission. Luke in Acts is right into Theophilus and he's, he's sharing with him the power of the gospel. Of course, we know that he wrote the gospel of Luke and the gospel of Luke being the content of the gospel. The book of Acts, the sequel to that is demonstrating not just the content of the gospel, but also the power of the gospel as it moves forward. And what he's showing to Theophilus is this, Theophilus, you have believed the right truth about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at how powerfully it has moved forward. You've not believed something that is of little significance. You have embraced truth that is of great eternal significance. And it ought to be the very focus of your life. Acts declares this, what Jesus started, the church continued. And what the church continued in the book of Acts, listen, you and I have the privilege and responsibility to continue. And isn't it amazing what God did with a small assembly of believers? I shared this when I began back in uh, September of 2012 as we got into the book of Acts and just to bring us all on the same page, some things start very small and they grow very large. I share with the church how that I, Angie and I just, just recently, uh, we were literally just returning from uh, Seattle, Washington, from Everett, Washington there at Bible Baptist Church and having been at the GIBF meeting, and, but we had just a little bit of free time and so we went down to the Pike Place Market. Some of you have been there. Well, in 1907, it started with four farmers Four farmers who set up and was, were selling their goods and about 10,000 people came to buy from them. I and mean, this thing just grew over time. Well, now over 10 million people annually come 
to the Pike Place Market. Well, I definitely wanted to go by and see, maybe to Kurt Skelly's chagrin, the first Starbucks. If you know Brother Skelly, he's not a Starbucks fan. There's like Motorola and then Starbucks is what he says. So, any case. But I wanted to go there. So we went to the, the very first original Starbucks. Some of you have been there. And, and I, I wasn't sure because there's like a Starbucks on every corner. I wasn't sure exactly which one was it. And so finally we made it there. And I just sit, I had to ask one of the young ladies. I, I said, is this the first one? And she said this, you finally made it. <laughs> like it had been a lifelong quest for us to finally get there. Well, there we were. And it was, it was pretty neat just being there. But here's, here's the deal. It was really small. It was really small and started in 1971, but my, haven't they grown? Well, that pales in comparison with what we're involved in here tonight. How that God took a small band, a small uh, church there of, of men who at one point were just literally hiding in fear, but God gave them great boldness because of the resurrected Savior and that they believed that he was alive. They saw that he was alive, and, and so they took to the streets of Jerusalem and boldly proclaimed, he is alive. And the gospel spread to Judea and Samaria, and then it spread to the Gentiles of that same region, and then it spread to Asia, and then to Europe, and now it's on its way to Rome. I'm telling you, God had his hand on the spread of the gospel. They believed the gospel. They prayed for the spread of the gospel. They gathered or assembled together for the sake of the gospel. They boldly proclaimed the gospel, and people believed the gospel and began to pray for the spread of the gospel. And they assembled, and they began to proclaim the gospel, and people believed the gospel. Are you getting this? It just kept going that way until we're here tonight. We believe the gospel. This morning, we gathered and prayed for the spread of the gospel. We're here tonight for the sake of the gospel. We try to preach the gospel, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but every single day of the week, somebody that you know has need of the gospel, and you're the privileged person to be the spokesman. The only thing that can stop the spread of the gospel is you. The only thing that can stop the spread of the gospel is a believer who will not share it. Because there was such intense opposition to the gospel in its early days. But the opposition only caused it to go further. May I remind you tonight that there are frontiers that, are, that the gospel is yet to penetrate. There are still people who are waiting for their very first presentation of the gospel. Why should we be so privileged to hear the gospel numerous times while so many have not heard it one time? There are so many people groups that are waiting to hear, to have the Bible in their own language. Over 6,900 people groups that are still considered unreached. That's 42% of the world's population. In terms of the population, we are woefully behind. The purpose in the book of Acts has everything to do with your life purpose. If I ask you tonight, what is your purpose in life? Some might say to make a bunch of money. Some might say to build a large business or to play professional sports. Some might say to get married. That's my purpose in life. 
to graduate from college and land a good paying job, to work a job and raise a family, to help others. Hey, is anything wrong with those things? Absolutely not. But listen, what we've got to do, every one of us, is to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not something on the outside that we just give a token to every Sunday, but it ought to be the very center factor of our lives. Central focus. It certainly was for these men. The gospel was not, not secondary. It was primary in their lives. Paul was so determined to take the gospel into new regions. Listen to what he said in Romans chapter number 15. He talks about how that from Jerusalem and round about Elycrium that he fully preached the gospel of Christ. And then he said this, Yea, so have I strived. I strive to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Here's what Paul said. I don't, I, God had called him to this, and I realize God calls some people to go and pastor a church that's already existing or work in an area that already has a measure of a gospel witness. But Paul said, it's on me, God's will in my life, what I'm on board with is I want to go where he's never been named before. And may God call from this church, not just from these students, but from this, this church, people who would say, God's call is on my life and I want to get on board with it and take the gospel somewhere where it's never been named before. We got a lot of work to do, don't we? We've got a lot of work to do. And sadly, sometimes we're more concerned about cell phone coverage than we are about gospel coverage. Paul was on his way to Jerusalem. He thought he was going to go as a preacher. He went as a prisoner. But God sometimes works in ways that you and I don't understand to work out what he wants done in your life. He'd been falsely accused, mistreated in Jerusalem. He stood before Felix, Festus, and Agrippa. And at this point, he's beginning to take his journey. And, and I believe the reason why there's so much detail here is it mirrors a little bit about his life and how that God had him on a journey. And it's certainly highlighting how that God used him even in this ship to be a spokesman and a testimony and a witness. But I believe basically it's, it's showing us this, all these details is Luke writing and saying, we were in a very desperate situation, but God saved us. So I'm not going to try to spiritualize everything and draw illustrations out of every point, but I believe there's some points of commonality here that we can gain some insight on as you are getting on board with God's will for your life. I love what Brother Skelly pointed out. I'm just going to mention a couple of things that he did that, that were so insightful, uh, even from chapter 26, and we're not even going to take time to read those verses, but... But certainly it was, it was very clear that Paul was in an unfair situation. But never once did Paul cry, unfair, this isn't right. And I, and I love how Brother Skelly emphasized that, that if you go through your life saying, this situation is unfair in my life, then that's exactly where you'll stay. Stop crying unfair and get on board. Get in the ship. That is God's will for your life. Don't cry unfair, just get on with it. And then he said, you know, as, as Agrippa and others and Festus were saying, you know, if this man hadn't appealed unto Caesar, then he'd be going home right now. And, and sometimes we live in the hypothetical situations of life. If only I had, or if only they had, if only this. Listen, we don't need to live in the if onlys of life. We need to live in what we believe to be and know to be the will of God and get on board with it and move on. 
There were prisoners, other prisoners here in this ship with Paul. And it mentions the Roman official who was in charge. His name was Julius. And, and he was actually very kind to Paul as he made his journey and allowed him to, to uh, have time with the believers there in Sidon and, and to visit with them. And I believe that in your journey of doing God's will, you'll find people who are very kind to you. That'll help you. You have a boss who allows you to have time off for church functions. You have a teacher maybe who's understanding, or you may not. Either way, you ought to get on board with God's will. I notice this in verse number four, that they faced difficulty early in the voyage. It says that, they, that the winds were contrary. They, they got into the journey, and right off the bat, we would say, they are faced with a storm. Can I say to you tonight, and I believe this will be a help to all of us to remember, that when you get on board with God's will for your life, it's not like he gives you an immunization shot that frees you from trouble. Storms that come are very much in the realm of God's sovereignty. And so just because you begin to do God's will does not mean now that everything's going to be smooth sailing. Actually, quite the, the contrary. You're going to face some contrary winds trying to maybe blow you off course. Could I just use that as an illustration to say this to the students that have come here? It may very well be that you are in the very will of God. I mean, God made it so clear to you in youth camp or youth conference or in your church services and in council. I mean, you've sought the mind of God. And listen, you know that you're where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it may very well be you have a hard time getting a job. What are you going to do then? You would think, well, I'm here to serve the Lord. I ought automatically, they ought to like give me a job when I cross the state line. <laughs> Doesn't quite work that way, does it? We live in a very blessed place here in Oklahoma City. Our city is on the move and it's thriving, it's growing, and people are moving here from all over the United States of America to get jobs. And so it is a good job location. That, that's a real blessing. But you may still struggle. You may not get hours at work, but you'll get hours at school. Somebody's going to write you up, my friend, more than likely. You can get hours, demerits, other places might use or whatever, but hours, work hours, or paying them off. I remember the first time somebody wrote me up, I thought, how dare you? <laughs> I'm here to serve the Lord. I was working on a bus route, and I just didn't wear my tie, because, you know, kids just kind of like swing on a tie, and I just didn't wear it, and I got wrote up for it. I thought, ah, legalist. Never forget, it was Matt Wheeler that was the RA. RA. We called him Matt Squealer, you know, at times. And so that's sad. We shouldn't have done that, but we did. But I thank God for Matt Wheeler. I really do. He helped, I'll never forget. I, every move-in day, I always think of Matt Wheeler because he helped me carry my stuff in. He also wrote me up, but. Well, I needed that. I learned from it. Somebody here might say something unkind to you or do something unkind to you. Somebody back home might disappoint you or somebody here might disappoint you. Things may not go the way you thought they would. Just go ahead and write it down. They won't. You may not get the ministry you thought you would. 
Back home, I mean, you, you serve in all kinds of areas, and here you get to serve in junior church once a week. And you may not even got the junior church that you wanted to get. Life's about to get tough. I'm not trying to be doomsday. I'm just trying to be real. Life's about to get tough. This is not camp. We're not going to another ball game on this upcoming Friday night. We're not going to Frontier City again. Hey, listen, they're done. It's no fun anymore. <laughs> it's not quite that bad. But, you know, we can all get a little bit disillusioned. Man, here I am. I'm doing what God said. And why don't I have a job? Or why do I have all this homework? <laughs> and wait, that's all part of it, see. But why, why this and why that? Listen, you can be in the very center of God's will and things be hard. And, and listen, I, I know and I preach that if you do God's will, God will bless your life. And God will bless your life, but God blessing your life is not mine. It's the sufferings. It's all part of it. This can be true in the life of a new believer. I just, I just thought about, here's somebody who their Sundays used to be theirs, their Wednesday used to be theirs, but now every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, now they're starting to come to church. They're starting to try to serve God. And, and just, it seems like just the minute that they do that, the boss increases their hours at work. Or it might go like this. Somebody, I mean, they got under conviction, they had not been tithing. A new believer, I just, uh, just can picture this. They, they say, now, what's this tithing thing about? So they get on board with it. That is God's will for believers. Somebody say amen about that. That is God's will for believers. And so they get on board with it. And the next thing that happens is they lose hours at work. Just doesn't seem to match up. Or they, they are trying to live for God, but they just keep falling back in sin. And they wrestle with that and they think, well, why am I still sinning if I'm saved? Hey, listen, look around and you'll see some other sinners who are also saved but still sinning. God's at work in life, but listen, sometimes that can be overwhelming and it can be even disillusioning to a, a new believer. And their flesh is so, so against them. Well, listen, I heard this. This is really good. One preacher said, if, if I haven't aggravated the world, the flesh, and the devil, I must not be doing something right. Something think about it. If you have not aggravated your flesh, aggravated the world, or aggravated the devil, you must be going with it. Don't give up too soon. Stay in the boat. Get on board with God's will. They started reading their Bible. If you're not reading your Bible, listen, you need to get on board with God's will. It is God's will for your life to be daily in this word. I can tell you that based on scripture and based on testimony, it is God's will. But you can get on board with that and then you start reading things that you understand not. Stay in the boat. This can be true in a new marriage, can it not? He's not as kind as he was before we married. She might say, you didn't know he talked to his mom every day. <laughs> you didn't know she couldn't cook like your mom. <laughs> you thought when you got married that you'd have all kinds of time together. All, all, all kinds of time. Like every day would just be like married day. You know, just like you're all together all the time. And then work and kids. 
running late for supper was cute that first time. <laughs> you, you are in God's will in marriage, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Contrary winds can come in. Here's what I find. They, they continued sailing on. They changed boats there and made, making their way to Italy. And the Bible says that they sailed slowly because, again, they were facing headwinds and difficulty. But I love this thought. I'd rather be going slowly in the right direction than going fast in a wrong direction. I'd rather be going slowly, making just seemingly little progress. I'd rather be going slowly in a right direction than to be flying in a wrong direction. Some of you are going to get a little overwhelmed. And, and, and at the first of the, you know, a school year, I mean, this is Welcome Heartland Sunday. I mean, it's just on my mind to speak to our students and try to get them ready for the, for the new semester. And I remember what it's like in the first of the semester, it seems like, well, I got all kinds of time. You know, it, can I help you? If you'll work at the first of the semester, like most students work at the end of the semester, you'll have a lot better semester. Amen. Yeah. But I remember what it's like. As I, in fact, it's, it's kind of illustrated in working in the CAF as I was at Baptist Bible College, and I worked on the back line. May God bless all back line people. It kind of went like this. It was real slow as, as uh, you know, people finished their meals and then they'd start to bring their plates, cups, bowls, forks, knives, spoons, all those things. And they'd put it on this conveyor belt and it would come back to, to three guys who would take, one guy would take the plates and, and he'd put it in a stack here and then another guy would take the tray and then another guy would grab all the silverware and then the next guy would get all the cups and bowls and stuff. And so we had a little assembly line coming down the line. Can you see it there? Nasty job. You know, everybody, whatever people did not eat was there. Dump it off in a little tray and it would go down the way. Listen, I think as Bible college students, you need jobs just like that. <laughs> but it was real slow at first, you know. I mean, we were just kind of kidding around in the back, you know, just come on, give us some job. I mean, we were looking down, you know, the little conveyor belt deal and thinking, come on, give us something then. At a certain point, it's like one guy said, let's get them, and everybody would bring their cups, bowls, forks, knives, spoons, and silverware, and all those things, and they wouldn't just put it on there, but they'd stack it high, and it would come down through there and knock it down and make a big old mess, and then we're like going crazy trying to get all this stuff organized. Sorry. It's a little dramatic. But you know, life can be that way. I think, man, I can't wait till I get married. When's she coming? I can't wait, you know, until we have kids. I can't wait till, you know, I get some, like, homework. <laughs> okay, I haven't heard anybody say that, but I can't wait until, like, this thing gets going. But then it's like something happens and life says, you want it? It's coming. And you just get slammed with it. Anybody else relate with that? Yeah. Be overwhelmed. It seems like you're making very slow progress, but listen, just keep making progress. Get on board. Get on board with God's will. Don't get hung up on what's fair and not fair. Don't get hung up and dwell on what might have been. Just get on board with God's will. For some of you, 
That means this, tomorrow you will register for classes and you're getting on board with God's will. Hey, I want you to know something. There's a church here that's praying for you Amen. that loves you. And, and what we want to do is we want to work side by side with you. Amen. I told some of the guys today, I'm looking forward to serving with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have the opportunity to labor together, to strive together for the faith of the gospel. You don't have to wait to do that when you get out of Bible college. You do that right now. Amen. Get on board with God's will. I mean, just get on board and, and be all there. Some of you are going to be here and tough things are going to happen back home. Listen, God can take care of those things and, will, and is aware of those things. And you are right in the middle of God's will doing what God says. And maybe one of your parents' health changes or your mar their, their marriage situation changes. Listen, every year there's students just like that. But I want you to know something. There's a God in heaven who is sovereignly in control and knows exactly where you are. And he knew what he was doing when he said, get on the boat. And listen, if you're following him, you can trust him to take care of you every single day. Amen. And he'll use this church family and, and this church family will love you and pray for you and encourage you and, and maybe every now and then correct you. But all those things are necessary for you to be on board with God's will. For some of you, that is going to mean starting a new job. For some of you, that's going to mean taking the role of a spiritual leader in your home. Get on board with God's will. For all of us, I believe that means this. Get on board with being a soul winner that will take the gospel to somebody else. Get on board with God's will. How about we set sail? Some of our best years may very well be ahead of us. But I'll guarantee you this. As you start to do God's will, you're going to have some pushback. Whether our best years are ahead or not, I do know this. Our God is ahead, and he's good, Amen. and he's right. And Father, we thank you tonight. We have this wonderful opportunity to be on board with you in your will. And I would imagine there's people that are here, young people in our youth department, in college-age class, in the Crossbears class and the Pathfinders that are just seeking your will for their life and people in the Heartland Singles seeking your will for their life. And I know in the class that I teach, the Family Foundations and other classes, got every adult class and everywhere here, every one of us ought to be seeking your will for our life and willing to be on board with it. Oh, God, help us. Help us in the day-to-day -day times of following your will to do what you want us to do. Father, thank you for caring about the people of the world. And you told us in your word to pray that the Lord of the harvest might send forth laborers into his harvest. And so, dear God, I pray that you would send forth laborers from here, that they would go, go forth with a heart full of love for you and a heart for lost people and for churches to grow and thrive. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving Southwest Baptist Church and every church that's preaching your word. Oh, God, please help us to stay on board with your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together tonight.